we're, we're mostly stuck on thinking about the world as a fight between good and evil. It's how we kind of villainize the the ones and um, lionize the others. You know, it's 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 very it's a very sticky way to see the world. What David and um, these thinkers of the end times are, are, are trying to do is to enact or invite an ethics of flow. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to invite new kinds of place-making activities that do not centralize us as the seekers and finders of new worlds, but allows us to feel with humility that there are others in the room and we will need to repair. I'm hyphenating the space between re, R-E, and pair. Right, we need to remix. We need to pair again with new alliances and new bodies in order to address and think with these times, like we've always done. Right now, we are paired with certain microbes, certain textures, certain architectures, and those are secreting climate chaos. It, it's not that climate chaos is some objective reality out there. It's only objective within relations. Its objectivity is relational. To meet this crisis, we need to change relationships. We need to be in relationship again with other kinds of bodies. Make new moves. You're listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast with me, Dan Burgess. The story of Spaceship Earth is simple. We live on a life-giving rock called Earth, hurtling through space. Like a spaceship, we have a finite amount of supplies with an intelligent operating system called nature, which keeps everything replenished as long as we all respect it and participate wisely. So a deep relationship with this mysterious system, along with spontaneous cooperation between humans and all life, is essential to keep us thriving and the spaceship flying. In this podcast, I'm in conversation with folk involved in regenerating life, shifting consciousness and reimagining how we can live more beautifully and peacefully. I talk with artists, writers, activists, designers, adventurers, healers, farmers, creative mavericks and more. Their stories invite us to participate in the co-creation of life-sustaining cultures. In service to life, becoming crew on Spaceship Earth. Greetings Earthling, Dan here. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Grateful that you've tuned in. And in this episode, I'm hosting... Bio Akomalafe. Now, Bio is an author, celebrated speaker, teacher, and self-styled trans-public intellectual. Uh, this is a concept imagined together with and inspired by the shamanic priesthood of the Yoruba healer trickster, whose vocation goes beyond justice and speaking truth to power to opening up other spaces of power with and querying fond formulations and configurations of hope right you still with me okay so hands up uh, transparency bio is someone i hold with deep deep admiration i'm definitely a fanboy um i first came across bio's work 
around about 2014. Uh, and I then spent five months uh, journeying with his wisdom and teachings uh, on his own uh, learning adventure, We Will Dance With Mountains. Um, I've never sort of been quite the same since, to be honest, uh, in all the right ways or perhaps all the wrong ways if we view this through the lens of modernity. Um, and this is Bio. He is inviting us to see, uh, feel and know the world differently uh, and to step towards the uncomfortable stuff towards a getting lost. Bio invites us to see the crises of our times through a post-activist, post-humanist lens, decentering the human, revealing cracks and bringing much-needed trouble to settled narratives. His writing and speaking is prolific, um, vital and so, so generous. Um, if you like this conversation, I would uh, implore you, encourage you to dig out. The bio has been so generous with his writing and speaking on many, many, many podcasts across the Webiverse. Um, his provocations and the invitations that sit beneath them can sometimes not be fully comprehended in our more comfortable human-centered cultures of progress, which Bio speaks to with real clarity in this conversation. Um, this was a shorter episode recorded at the end of a slightly frazzling week for me. But as ever with Bio, there is such stunning insight, um, provocation and fertilizer for navigating these unraveling times. Bio will also be one of our special guests on the remix kicking off in May. That's the forthcoming three month action learning adventure for Story Rebels from Becoming Crew. Those applications are open and coming in. Um, go to becomingcrew.com forward slash the remix if that speaks to you. So let's cut to it. This is the Spaceship Earth podcast with Bio Akumalafe. Enjoy. You're listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast with my dad, Dan Burgess. Well, well, well welcome to the Spaceship Earth podcast, Bio. Thank Good you, brother. You. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a it's a Friday afternoon. I think you're. Where are you right now? You because you are, are you in Europe somewhere? Uh, yes, I'm in uh, Hamburg, Germany. Okay. Which the last time I checked it was is still in Europe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it. I'm in a. I'm with my family here. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So we're we're sort of um, we're in we're sort of in in the sort of in the time construct of modernity. We're in a fairly uh, coherent zone. Um, yes. uh, I think I'm an hour an hour yes. uh, behind you. So, um, well, look before we before we venture off, uh, I wanted to. I just wanted to acknowledge my appreciation for all for all that you bring and offer to the world right now, and have been for for many years, um, with uh, with the generosity and compassion that you that you that you bring to all of your your work. And I just yeah, I just wanted to say that for it's. I feel it's just such vital fertilizer, provocation, and just keeps. I just keeps encouraging more of us to hold hold complexity and open up spaces and maybe widen our 
our views of 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 possible pathways and 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 keeps our assumptions feeling quite uncomfortable is how i would, <laughs> how I would yes. describe it so i just yeah. want to say yeah it's just so appreciated and i see your your work and your 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 offerings kind of spreading and seeding and uh and that that feels really yeah it feels great to be able to sort of witness that so i just wanted to say that thank you and start here i'm grateful thank you so much brother thank yeah. you yeah and um i wondered whether we could sort of um maybe sort of frame this hour that we have um in this idea of, of of which you have talked you talk a lot about this um of of kind of slowing down and and getting lost yeah. and i wondered whether that that might be a sort of a place that we could sort of work from in this uh in this end of the week, so to speak. Perfect. That <laughs> feels like a good place to jump in. Yeah. Yeah. Which I which I think rightly, I think is um connects to your um Yoruba roots, right? But this idea, yeah. there was this there was this 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 saying in order to find our way, we must we must get lost, which yeah. I, I remember sort of being quite struck by that. And and I've been sort of holding that for quite some time actually as a as as a kind of uh, a provocation, I guess, which yeah. means lots of things to me. As more and more of the world makes less and less sense, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, um, this idea of getting lost, and in parallel, the times are urgent; we must slow down. So, this idea of slowing down and getting lost, I know there's a lot that sits under all of that because this has been years that you've been kind of exploring what sits underneath those kind of invitations, and mm. um, and in my own sort of personal journeying and the work that i'm doing i'm sort of recognizing that these invitations to slow down these invitations to to get lost if if you like feel more and more sort of vital and to um, allow ourselves to move into places where we're you know we're not sure where we are (laughs) there is a sense in which um there is an intense mimification um um, what is the word mimetization? I don't know. You know what I mean by yeah. that. Right? The, the, the proliferation of memes, yeah, convenient sound bites um, around my invitation to slow down. It's it's very popular a thing to say now. Um, however, I I think some of the ways that I hear people dance with this is. Um, or navigate the thresholds and um, challenges that this offers to our ongoing conversations about crises and all that is that they're they're seeking a break. It it almost feels like an internal or an interior quest for solace or or solitude. Um, like let's go on a vacation or let's do more yoga. Or, let, or let's do more breath work, right? Um, let's just slow down the way we're breathing and stuff like that, and maybe we can... But that's not what I'm saying at all. I, I mean something a lot more disturbing. <laughs> yeah, right. And this is, this, is, this, is what, this is what I want to get to, because it's kind of like, I guess, what happens when we slow down? What do, right. we, begin, what do we begin to see and feel and sense? So, so this would take a little bit of some theoretical scaffolding, if you allow me, yeah, brother. Please do. Um, um, I'm. I what comes to mind now is the 
myth of Prometheus. You you know this myth, the story of Prometheus. Tell the, tell us a bit the, with, the, if you the can. Titan, the Titan that gives humans fire, mm-hmm. with which they become immortal like right with fire you have power and so prometheus is a titan in greek mythology um, that does this irreverent seditious act that violates zeus's trust and zeus enacts punishment punishes prometheus by tying him chaining him to the side of a mountain okay and um every morning as Greek punishments go, every morning a giant eagle swoops down and eats up the liver of Prometheus. And at night, the liver grows back again. Okay. And in the morning, the eagle comes again and eats it. And in the night, it sprouts again ad infinitum. It's almost like the, the punishment meted out to Sisyphus. Right? It's the rolling up a stone up a mountain and it rolls down again. These are very horrible punishments. It's, yeah. the, it's the repeatability, the cyclicity of it that becomes um, existentially horrifying. Um, so I, I've learned to start seeing healing and trauma as entangled in the ways that they reproduce the same kinds of bodies, right? So notice in this Promethean cycle, how the trauma, the wounding, the opening nourishes or gives birth or provides the conditions for healing. And the healing provides the nourishment for trauma, <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it literally sprouts and it creates the same body the same embodiment that is available for that kind of punishment. So that if you were to fly up to the side of Prometheus as this was taking place and you offered him healing, he would probably spit in your face because he doesn't want healing. Healing he already has, right? He wants to shapeshift. He wants maybe to become so um, morphologically alien and different so that the bird is not unable to find a liver maybe the next time it comes and the story of prometheus proceeds in directions that are um uh, quite interesting but i wanted to start off with this idea of how our justice our healing and trauma are somehow you know entangled together um which brings us to this point that maybe the ways we respond to our troubles, our challenges are, you know, the same, are coming from the same conditions that gave birth to the challenges in the first place, mm-hmm. right? Um, and maybe this asks of us some kinds of moves and gestures and imaginations that would take us away from the trajectory of that toxic cyclicity so that we're alive to other possibilities, alive to other doings, alive to other ways of being and becoming with ourselves and others and the world, that surveillance mechanisms and nation state systems and even the public order may find impenetrably alien. So what I mean by slowing down is not about um, doing things that restores the highway, Mm. the, the, 
dominant algorithm of continuity. I'm signaling that um, the world is proliferating breaks or cracks or discontinuities. And we, I think, are being invited to build a politics around those openings instead of covering them up, instead of fixing the breaks. I think we're being invited to stay with breaks as an instigation of new kinds of politics. This is what I mean by slowing down in a very inconvenient nutshell. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. And I, I, um, I, 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 and I guess that's the, um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to how you, apart from this, 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 the, you know, this terminology spreading far and wide, but this idea of actually being able to, notice the cracks and to be able to, to begin to explore them and to go off piste or, or or you know or let go of some of these highways are you you know because your work is you know it feels like you've been um the work that you're doing is is i don't want to say it's moving in it inwards but it feels like you know a lot of this thinking comes from the edges and then it starts to and i'm just wondering in your in your travels and journeying of recent times and we talk of institutional, you know, are we, are you starting to sense that the cracks are becoming, um, uh, if you like, uh, attractive probably is the wrong word, <laughs> but mm. you know, are you, are you starting to see that the way that we respond perpetuates the crisis, right? So it's like, are you starting to see that there is a recognition, um, of that dynamic and therefore the invitation to 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 explore down to to move into the places that maybe are quite terrifying right they might not make much sense at all right now but yes. to, to be to be in those places to be with that can are you starting to sense that this is that, that there is a there is a movement towards this that there or are we still very much on the edges i guess is what i'm saying it's both. I think it's both. Um, there, there is a very, very sticky, resilient, um, collective gesturing that is, um, privileging ideas of safety and restoration, which I think are contextually relevant and useful. Um, but I think in, I, I dare say, or I, I don't like to use the phrasing of a larger scheme of things, but I'll just deploy it for our conversational purposes that, that in, a, in the larger scheme of things, um, there, there is a sense in which we are, we seem to be closing the gifts or, sh or chasing away the, the guests, the prophets of novelty that the cosmos is sending our way, right? Um, let me put it in very entomological um, senses, dealing with insects. Have you ever heard or seen a death spiral, an ant death spiral? No, Dan? no, I haven't. Um, it, this is, I, I don't know enough to say that it's a rare phenomenon, okay. but it seems rare. Um, uh, if you type death spiral ants in YouTube, um, you, might, <laughs> you might see a video three or four, but not as many as would, as should indicate that this is a very interesting phenomenon. So um, it has to do with pheromones, pheromone or pheromonic trails and how ants signal cartographies, right? How they, 
direct themselves. And it's a very, very, um, um, very complex, but very intelligent way of moving around the world, right? Antibodies secrete pheromones that direct other antibodies to where something is, a food source or the colony or something like that. And pheromones are good for more than just cartography. They shape how ants show up in the world. They're chemicals that that are, you know, that shape every aspect of ant life. Um, but something happens sometimes when ants are moving in some direction. Um, something could break um, through their procession so that a loop forms and some ants just move in an endless cycle. They just move around and there's no breaking away from that. So imagine this is, it's called a death spiral because the the ants walk and keep on walking in a, in a circle, you know, chasing each other's pheromones um, until they get exhausted and die. It's, it's a biologically compelling um, description of stuckness, mm. right? <laughs> Right. So it's like we're chase we're telling each other just another turn now, just another turn, just another turn. It's a very it's a joke. It's a cosmic joke. Yeah. It's it's like the gods playing tricks on those creatures, those critters. And and they're unable to break away from that trance. And they just keep on going round in circles and they die in those circles, right? Um and so it it, it, it feels like a very appropriate um, figure for what we're doing in response to a lot of things today, right? In response to pandemics and chaos, climate chaos and racial injustice, it seems we're going around in circles and we're telling ourselves the, the next turn, if we only prove to be persistent, we will summarily arrive at this utopian finality. But it doesn't seem to be any closer Right. Yeah. And that and and is does that, you know, is there something we can learn from the pheronome? I mean, because I know you've talked a lot about and a lot of your I think a lot of, you know, your exploration on this, like the post-human self. Right. And this idea that we're I'm really exploring a lot this, you know, these relationships that we have with ourselves, with each other, with the with the born human world around us are what determines our, our stories, our ways of seeing. And this idea that, you know, as biology is telling us more and more that we are we're you know there's a lot more going on <laughs> yeah there's a lot more going on between uh you know we, half of which we have no idea about in terms of what is forming us and shaping us and and i'm yes. wondering whether there's something in this in that in that ant pheromone that actually is there is there a fer- you know is there something that's actually you know this this sort of the, the the sort of modern human pheromone. I don't know what that is, but there's something that's kind of keeps driving us in that in that forward trajectory. That's avoiding, it's keeping us away from the cracks, if you like. Beautiful. I don't know what it is. Yes, yes, it, it, that's a brilliantly insightful way to frame it or to 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 move to this um, figuration of ants in circles. It's it's that you know. We, we tend to think of ourselves as individuals responding to our environments. And then we leave all the, I, I mean, it's habitually convenient to not think about the ways that we are ecological secretions, mm. right? That, that we are 
environments responding to environments, that we're not at all individuals trying to change the world. That's a modern myth, right? It's useful for certain purposes, but it breaks down under the weight of other ecological burdens, right? There is a sense in which architecture, texture, color, the food we eat, the institutions we propagate, the legislation that we uh, pronounce on publics. Now, all of these things weave assemblages and we are caught up in those assemblages. We become with those assemblages. We don't think outside of these assemblages. Um, some, something needs to come from the outside, so to speak. And I'm qualifying the outside with air quotes here that you cannot see, but mm. something needs to break through or transversalize that assemblage before new paths or cartographies can be charted. But as, as, as at this moment, brother, it seems majorly that we're going around in circles because this is what environments do. We're stuck. We're stuck. And it might um, add up to some kind of a pheromone trail, if you will. Mm. So, so let me go ahead with this. The, the question then is how do we break out? And and what I'm trying to share with people is that we cannot break out. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's not. It's I'm sorry. I'm not a motivational speaker. I don't inspire people, or you know, I'm not a no, we I'm can not, do it kind of person. Yeah. You know, I, I'm trying to say we cannot do it. It's it's not left to us. We we don't have. You know, th this is the shocking thing, the scandalous thing to modernity. It reduces agency to individuals, right? And I'm trying to say, no, we live in a cosmology that should be named humility. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we're not going to get around this or get through this as if the world were just available for our scrutiny or our interventions. We live in a more than human world. But here's where things get interesting with the ants in, in formation, right? Um, have you heard of Codiceps, a fungus called yes. Osteocodiceps yeah. unilateralis? Yeah. I've been speaking about it a lot. Um, I was introduced to this by my dear sister, uh, Sophia Strand, oh. and I started to explore what this might mean within the stories that I was telling. Codiceps infects ants, right? Uh -huh. And other insects. It sporulates, it sends its spores, and those spores infiltrate ant bodies. And the infiltration takes over the ant's bodies totally, their nervous systems, flooding their brains with hallucinogens. And somehow this effectuates a strain away. Think about it, brother. <laughs> like it takes an infection to break the trance of a pheromonic imperative, mm. right? It takes that transversal fungal infection for an ant to like, you know what? I'm just going to go this way. It's not volitional. It's not entirely volitional. I mean, the ant might think to itself, hmm, I am making these choices. I am deciding to, to not go in this trail. I am deciding not to go around in circles. I am deciding to go up to that tree and dig my jaws into the underside of that leaf and die. I'm decided, it's all my choice. Mm. It might seem volitional, but there are other matters, you know, at work. Mm. And this infection leads the ant to produce something that is not entirely fungal and something that is not entirely insectoid, but something that is a querying of borders, of boundaries. And I feel this is 
a gift to our thinking about change and transformation, that the human is a pheromonic causality of some kind. We're stuck. We're going around in circles and we're dying in our exhaustion. We're producing veteran activists faster than we're producing bricks, right? And, and somehow this trail, this idea of an infection is, an, is the invitation, a posthumous invitation to experiment with the monster. And the monster is at the heart of my, my stories around post-activism, my narratives around slowing down. By slowing down, I do not mean that people slow, literally reduce their speed. I mean that people break away from the economies of relationships that reproduces the crises that we're in. We live on a life-giving rock called Earth, hurtling through space. How bonkers is that? You're listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast. And it takes us into another direction. Yeah. That I'm waiting for you to. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> no it's, 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 it's beautiful. And it's like, I mean, it brings so much up because you know in some ways what what i witness is i see um if we use that metaphor of the infection i see that happening more and more to more and more folks you know younger folks all kinds of folks they're kind of yeah, it's almost like they 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 know in their but their bodies are sort of doing it for them in many ways they they're almost yeah. they're they're repelling against these structures and these ways of of feeling and you know they can sense where this is going this 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 stuckness if you like there's a letting go that and, and of course that's a and that's also very um challenging for lots of people because the you know the dominant system does not you know we see that happening all over the place right and yeah in this binary world right it doesn't like it it feels like i think if you're speaking to it, it's, it's almost a you know it's a, it's a metaphorical infection but it's almost trusting that there is something else that i am allowing myself to become or i am mm -hmm. allowing myself to let go of and it might not make sense to these people around me or this, but I'm, but I'm trusting now that I have to go with this. And so we're sort of, I feel like there is this, you know, this, there is this, these changes and, and mutations almost in, in how people are starting to see themselves in this, mm. on, in this world, but mm. it's still very, it's, it's hidden and it, and it's dangerous in lots of places to be showing that. And because of all these obvious reasons. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, there you go. And I, I, um, you know, it, I remember it was 2015. I came on your your uh, the uh, we will dance with mountains. I think it was your first. <laughs> yes. it was your, I think it was the first expedition. The very <laughs> first. The very it first. Was, it was, I think you called it a writing course. That's what I told my wife I was doing anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't know what it was. I still can't remember what it was. But there was something. But it was beautiful. And uh, for me at the time again what uh, and i guess why i'm so interested in these invitations because i feel like um the invitation to 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 evolve yourself or to mutate or to you know to be infected whatever it might whatever you know whatever metaphor we want to to use but yeah. you know, i remember i remember there was a point on one of the sessions you did quite early on and you had us I think it was, you know, we, 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 it was a group of us from all over, all over the world. There were Saturdays and we, it was, was pre-Zoom. Everything was Skype or something. <laughs> I, can't remember I they think were. it was Skype. 
something like that. It was something like that. But um, but you said to us, we're on the call, and you said, right, I want everyone to get off the call, and I want you to all go outside wherever you are, and I want you to. I'd I'd like to invite you to do something that if your neighbours see you, they will be concerned. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) and. and it was this kind of, and everyone just sort of got off. And he said, I, "I come back in thirty minutes, and let's let's regroup." And um, and I remember for me, I I uh, I walk straight out into my garden. I have a little garden, and and I and I and I grow a bit, a few vegetables. And I had these pumpkins I was trying to grow, and they were getting quite, the leaves were getting quite big. And I just dived into the pumpkin patch, and I began to sort of <laughs> explore them and sing to them. And and uh, oh and it was a, it was it, you know it was just a it was a it was an invitation that might at the time but it shifted something in, in me and not mm. only obviously do i have a very very deep relationship with my pumpkins now and have continued to do so <laughs> but it's it's that it was that invitation to to let go you know and to and to move into a place of a different way of sort of knowing and sensing and also and feeling discomfort and knowing that actually what might go beyond that what might come beyond that discomfort you know what's what's on the other side of it sort of thing mm-hmm. um and i mentioned that because it's just this i just feel like again these invitations um to trust ourselves you know to sort of to express ourselves or move into a crack or whatever it is in a way that speaks to us as you know in our own bodies mm-hmm. just because that feels to me like they're portals. They're sort of, you know, they're almost yeah. they're invitations that allow us to start to step into the, to come off this highway, to come out of this stuckness. Yes. Yeah. It's beautiful, brother. And thank you for that trip down <laughs> memory lanes and paths. It, it was um, beautiful to hear you tell that story. Um, yes, it, it, it feels to some extent that, Cracks are, the way that I think about cracks are, you know, sites of generative failure, you know, um, failure from the perspective of this, of the surface, of the status quo, of the familiar. You rolling around with your pumpkins is definitely an an invitation to the asylum, (laughs) (laughs) right? It's Failure of some kind. It's not productive. That's not how citizens should behave. Yeah. There's, you know, no, there's, there's no value in that. There's no value. What are you doing? This is not what you should be doing. You should be at work. You should be on an Excel sheet <laughs> or something instead of cavorting with pumpkins. Mm. Um, but but there's so it's it's failure of some kind, and it's and I I use the figure of the monster to embody this failure, right? Um, I. This is probably some some philosophical meandering for people who are not familiar with the works of Gilbert Simondon, for instance, who spoke about the pre-individual and flows. And to me, cracks are congealments of flows. Like this is when bodies are habituated, or rather I should say, when bodies come together in unexpected ways and ways that are prob- probably um, disturbing to normative ideas of embodiment, right? Imagine you sprouting a horn on your head, you know, um, like ants sprout horns on their heads when they become infected, right? This is monstrous. 
So monstrosity, in, in my view, is, is this errancy, is this cartographical errancy. When we take the right turn, when everyone is taking the left, that's monstrous. It's, it's a glitch in the pattern, right? And in this way, this is the crack for me. The, the crack is, is pedagogical in the ways that you've brilliantly and so memorably brought to the fore with your story. But it is also more than pedagogical. There is a way in which it is, it's, not, it's more than us. The proliferation of it is more than us. I could tell beautiful stories about biologists in the middle of their experiments, realizing that, realizing, really, I'm using that word, realizing, realizing, not theorizing, but realizing that the microbes that they were frying in their machines had lives, subjective lives, <laughs> right? It's like, this is what you've done for decades. And then suddenly one morning, somehow things come together in a way that suggests to you that you're killing you're killing, <laughs> you're killing sentient life, mm. even though you've never thought of bacteria as a form of sentient life. I'm talking about fisher, fisher people, fishermen, right? Um, uh, catching fish. Uh, one Utah fisherman caught a fish, and he, as, like he's always done, like his father taught him to. And he told me that as he held this fish, he noticed the fish was pregnant. I don't know how you do that. I don't know anything about fishing. I know next to nothing about fishing. But yeah. he saw that a fish was a mother. Some roe, maybe, or something. Yeah. Something. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, yeah. The, the fish was just engorged and alive in, in a way that was shocking to him. And he put the fish back into the water. And he couldn't, he said, since then, years after, he's not been able to eat fish. I'm talking about breaks in that way. They're not mm -hmm. convenient. They're, they are environmental ecological they're not planned or manifesto like and yet they 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 kind of shock us into new ways of being in the world new portals new ways of dancing with things and i think if a politics should surround this if we could think of politics as nurturing the monster right surrounding the monster not not trying to press the risk back you know, beneath a band-aid of, of um, allowable appearances, but, but dwelling with it and dancing with it and experimenting around it, then we might be available for the kinds of shifts that the universe is always generous to offer. And maybe that does, maybe that does new things altogether. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it's, 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 it's beautiful. And I, what comes up for me as well when you're speaking to this, like a, you know, a different, you know, if there was a different form of policy, but even like language and words, it, I mean, you, you know, you've, you've, I think you said in your, um, in the, these worlds beyond our fences, which I'm, which is such a beautiful book. And, um, but there's a phrase you used about, we gave language too much power and it just might, and obviously there's lots in this and lots underneath all of that, but, but there's something even about words in these times that I find so that just limiting, so limiting because um, yeah. particularly in the, you know, in that, like I say, in the stuckness that we're in, it's almost like the the words and the language and the continual uh, way to try and work out, you know, to try and make sense of everything through words and language and and that for me just feels so ex I'm so exhausted by it and I look at what's mm. going on and actually because 
maybe there is so much intelligence in the body and and around us that 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 we might be wanting to draw on now <laughs> and mm. but we sort of don't really know you know at, at a sort of at a mass level or even at a culture we don't really know how to to, to access it or to or to bring do you know what i mean to bring it into yeah. our practices yet i mean yeah. again it's it reminded me of sitting around a fire once with with uh with 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 david abram and he sort of asked us to sort of for an hour like try and communicate with us about 20 of us but without speaking for an hour you know and just mm. and and again what was but it was both sort of massively uncomfortable hour <laughs> but also mm. but also like extraordinarily um you know just quite quite um magical about what sort of happened through that do you know what i mean and uh mm. and so again this again the sort of i guess the ways that we that we might be bringing in the practices we might be it feels like we need a again a sort of a, a, a more complex diverse way of navigating and even language and making sense than than what this than what this current you know dominant structure allows right i, I mean i think we're we're more than looking for language, right? I, we need new languages. Mm. That feels that feels like a confident thing to assert. We need new languages. We need new words. We need new thinking. But um, all of these are rituals. We, we're, we're looking. We're seeking rituals mm. that that um, you might think of as place making or place tending rituals. Um, we are just like, you know, I described us living within ecologies that also shape our bodies. Um, these ecologies are also moral. They're moral ecologies and they tend to have sticky, containing, almost carceral effects on us. This is the reason why we're, we're mostly stuck on thinking about the world as a fight between good and evil. Right. It's mm -hmm. it's how we kind of villainize the the ones and um, lionize the others. You know, it's 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 very it's a very sticky way to see the world. What David and um, these thinkers of the end times are yeah. feelers as a, I've heard feelers, you know, thinkers, <laughs> feelers, um, gropers of in the dark are, are, are trying to do is to is to enact or invite an ethics of flow. Hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to invite uh, um, new kinds of placemaking activities that do not centralize linguistic imperatives, that do not centralize us as the seekers and finders of new worlds, but allows us to feel with humility that there are others in the room and we will need to repair but by repair, I'm doing something with the words there. I'm hyphenating the space between re, re, and pair, mm. so that I'm doing something else with the word. I'm not saying restore, like restore to a given image. I'm saying we need to pair again. Mm. So it's remixing. Right. We need to remix. We need to pair again with new alliances and new bodies in order to address and think with these times, like we've always done right now. We are paired with certain microbes, certain textures, certain architectures, and those are secreting climate chaos, mm. right? It, it's not that climate chaos is some objective reality out there. 
Um, it's only objective within um, relations. Its objectivity is relational. Yeah. Right. And so to, to meet this crisis, we need to change relationships. We need to be in relationship again or with other kinds of bodies, make new moves. And I think David is onto something with language. Delini, Fernand Delini did it, um, had tried this in the 1960s in the south of France, working with autistic, nonverbal autistic children by refusing to use language in the camps, right? They refuse language altogether. Amazing, you know. Wow. So yeah, I mean, on on the on the on the you know moving into new relationship, I guess it feels like I'd like to just bring in a little bit on on um, on 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 stories. And I know again, <laughs> this is a um, this can open up yeah. a whole, whole can of worms. This learning adventure, uh, which you are going to come and uh, make a guest appearance with us, which is which is amazing. Which is called the remix. It's coming in May. Mm. Um, we're inviting people on a you know a, a deep relational inquiry of story. So we're very much um, convening around uh, an exploration of the relationships we have with ourselves. Like who who actually are we? <laughs> what what is this body yeah. about? What is going on with our relationships with 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 others around us and with obviously this vast more than human world which we know a little bit about but not a lot um and and how those relationships determine in many ways how we story the world around us so we're we what we're going to be exploring at that level of relationship and all of the sort of the mess and the magic that that sits <laughs> that sits under all of that but yeah. i i one of the things we you know we we wanted to invite you to 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 speak to us to or at least to come in on is i know you've You've talked a lot about, I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but I'm saying like, you know, this idea of just being really being like a beware, you know, to be aware of the story trap and mm -hmm. this kind of human centered singular, you know, the story of linear neatness and, uh, yeah. uh, and all of that. And I wonder, yeah, I wonder whether you could just maybe, um, yeah, speak a little bit or give us a little bit of a sense of um, that watch out, you know, that watch out about, uh, you know, this this desire to to seek the the new story, to make sense of everything and and to take us on into the future. And, and, and just mm -hmm. give us a sense of that, which obviously we we hope you'll be able to explore in more depth with the cohort when you when you join us in May. But, yeah, I wonder if you could just speak a little bit to that. I mean, there's a prestigious connection between um, the idea that we're storytelling animals and the Enlightenment and the, that Eurocentric quest for meaning at all costs, to reduce the world to meaning. Um, it's, you know, at, there, there is a, a phrasing in, in the literature that thinks of this linguistic term, right? It, it's, it's how we reduce everything to syntax, to grammar, to language, to, to, um, to our lexicon, to our words, right? Mm. Um, what that does is that it, we forget, we kind of exclude the fact that, um, we are, even our stories are indebted to things that are not storied, right? That 
that there is a materiality to storytelling and story wielding and story listening that makes it a limited gesture. One of the many speciated ways of being in the world, right? I'm not, maybe I should put it this way, in the brilliant proverb-like way of a certain people in Australia, whose name I cannot recall at the moment, Mm -hmm. but this was told to me by my dear sister, Vanessa Andriotti. And it's the idea, uh, I think she put it this way, that um, there are many senses in the world. There are 99 senses in the world. And making sense of the world is just one of them, Hmm. right? Making sense of things, storying things is just one of them, Hmm. right? Because the, the, the presumption that the universe in its. The reduction, the reduction of everything. Right. the, The presumption that the universe is, is an algorithm is programmatically reducible. Mm. to our terminology is hubris <laughs> raised to the nth degree it it, it that we can speak there, it, it, I'm, I'm just getting a sense you know especially from the worlds that i have birthed me that there are places in the world that are unspeakable right where where to speak would be to violently disrupt what is going on or, or what is what we're encountering you know um or where to speak in a particular way would be to violate it so th- there you know I, I just get that beautiful humbling sense that the world exceeds story that story is like a, a the howling of a wolf or the rhizomatic quests for nourishment that a tuba of yam uh, of yam secretes in the soil mm-hmm. um, that 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 these are these are material quests to connect with to repair to seek connections there are gestures there are strategies stories are strategies but to reduce the world, even to speak of it as the world, is already violating something. To speak of to, to reduce it to our strategies is to is to is to exclude something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I read something that you've written? Is that yes, brother? Just, yeah. it really spoke to me, but uh, which I think is is speaking to this. But you 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 say in the it's in the the um the chapter called awkward, and it says to make. To make a new world, to move it, to wipe the slate clean, to start again, to retell these stories of injustices and exclusions and untimely death and soiled seas. What a heady and ravishing proposal, albeit one haunted by a troubling prospect. The fonts of a new story are not ours to wield. Our maps, no matter how detailed and punctilious, will always be sabotaged by the territory. The world has her own genius, her own dips and curves and whispered nothings and chuckled blasphemies. The world is bigger than plot, lengthier than conclusions, keener than comeuppances, nobler than anthropocentric thought, more curious than solutions and more abundant than arrivals. In short, we don't make the world alone. The world makes us too. 
Maybe the world also wants to make us a better place. To know this is not to finally be at peace or to be enlightened or to be at home. It is to continue to experiment, to theorize, to touch the always fresh blister that is our tale of becoming. It is to see how we are seeing. Mm. Sounds better coming from your mouth. <laughs> your, your British accent does give this uh, a beautiful lilt. Uh, Excellent. I maybe I should do your audio books for you. Uh, <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> but no. But it, 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 it. You know. I think. I. Th- I think that's. Yeah. It, it feels like this is. This is some. Some of what we're speaking to here. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. The world bigger than plot is. Is just about right. Yeah. Um, well, look, we'll, we'll we'll look forward to to diving more into that uh, when 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 uh, when you come and guest with us. Um, yeah. I wanted to well, you could talk a little bit about fatherhood in these yeah. times because I know yeah. you know the, you know these wilds beyond our fences is was very much you know based on on that letters to your to your daughter. Yeah. Um, and. I just, I mean, I guess what I'm curious on lots is, I mean, I'm a dad and uh, I have three kids who've become, you know, have, have really become central to everything that I explore and inquire with I, since, you know, pretty much since I fell down the climate change hole the year after my son was born and I've never really come back up. And uh, <laughs> um, But, but, uh, but I, there was something, I mean, there's lots in the book for me. There was this, you know, there was this phrase where you said, um, you said I. W- you said it was to your daughter, and you say I wish for a world that loves you the way I do, that knows something the world I now live in doesn't know. And um, that just really jumped out at me. Um, uh, uh, just in in a really sort of um, yeah, right, it got me got me right in the chest to be to be honest. And uh, mm-hmm. because I could really connect with that, and it's something I feel that I, that I, how I carry that, that kind of disorienting, fearful sort of questioning (laughs) Mm. uh, with me as I go. I know we talk about, you know, decentering the human in, in, you know, in these times, but I'm really often always thinking, why are we not centering the young uh, more Mm. Mm. in, in our, you know, in these times? listening more to the young and my at least my understanding of you know of how many other species work at least it it seems to be that you know the young are always at the center you know this Mm. and and i'm so i guess i'm and i sense this a lot through my own journey as a dad but i sense it through the work i do with you know uh, uh, you know which is is often bridging lots of different groups listening to the young listening to the you know the different parts of the of the systems and but i'm struck how not just this kind of hierarchical view that again sits in particularly i guess in this in this um colonial structures of where we put the young below you know in terms of knowledge or importance or whatever you know they're hierarchically below the sort of the adults you know um mm. and so i'm i'm troubled by that always not just because it doesn't fit or sit well, but also because I really sense how much possibility for, uh, you know, actually traveling into the cracks the young have, right? And, yeah. sort of, you yeah. know, they, they can, they, they sort of, they, they've worked it out. They know that this, 
that the road ahead, more and more of them, I feel, you know, they know that road ahead is is going nowhere that they want to go. So yeah. I guess I'm just interested in that. And I'm also interested in, are you seeing or do you know of in these times, cultures or communities that are starting to put more the young at the center? For me, it's just, it's very alive always. And, um, and it feels like, it feels like really beautiful possibility in you know it's like the hospicing modernity work you know mm-hmm. it's like what, what a project that would be <laughs> for, mm. for, for 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 education systems that are sort of coming mm. apart as it is you know to bring them in you know to, to for, for that to be driven or to be led you know to be to be led by by the inquiring of our young so anyway i'll stop there but yes yes it's um it's um, the reason why the next iteration of We Will Dance With Mountains, which has been a theme in our conversation, is going to be with children. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, we're bringing, well, that feels very deploy, deploy language-ish. Um, it, we are working, we're seeking to work with children. And, huh. and, and, and maybe, maybe I would say this with, I'll say it with some hesitation because I'm still working through this concept, Mm -hmm. but it seems to me that cracks are crack-like because we're adults. Like, 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 um, it's that things are much more liminal and flow fluid, like, um, with children, like monsters, it seems monsters become even more monstrous the more we lose our capacity to play, mm. right? So that it's, it usually is, I'm recalling, I don't know why Quasimodo from, yeah, <laughs> Quasimodo just jumped into my head right now. <laughs> and I'm remembering the final scene where the city is confronted with this, the, the bell ringer yeah. finally showed his face. And everyone is startled and struck by how terrible he looks. And the person that work that, that, that steps forward is a child, and the child is <laughs> doesn't have a title or doesn't have any degree or something. But it's a child that touches Quasimodo and takes him to the city. It's a child that brings the monster to us mm-hmm. and says, you know. He's good. He's fine. <laughs> He's all right. <laughs> and everyone now said, yay, this is the way that children lead us. No, I'm going to write this into an essay. This is the way that children <laughs> <laughs> lead us. I never really considered that scene as yeah, having any theoretical significance. But now that I think about it, it's just one way to notice that we need to work with children Especially those that we haven't, you know, I'm not trying to create a binary of children here, but, you know, children themselves are threatening (laughs) to modernity. And that's why we have programs for them to become good adults, good citizens. Programming, programming. We program our kids to, to be schooled properly, to sit in chairs, to sit and do their work to listen and to be obedient. It, it, it's 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 our way of reducing the unwieldy promiscuity of our children, right? But but I think there's room for working with them, for allowing them to lead us 
play has to be central to the ways we address the IPCC report, the one just released on Monday, yeah. or else we're stuck in that pheromonic imperative that would lead us to die. And yeah. Right. Well, yeah, no, gosh, that was, that's, that's really, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it feels like, uh, yeah, just what, what, what a kind of sane culture would, would want to do in these times, but mm -hmm. maybe, um, but that's, that's, that's really interesting that you're, yeah, that you're moving, uh, you're evolving, uh, some of your work in that direction. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Let's bring the kids in. For God's sake, listen to the kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they can take us places. They can lead us down, you know, weird paths that we need to be going down. Um, beautiful. Um, so um, I'm just thinking in a in a in a in a in a way of 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 bringing this to a close, bio, because I'm conscious of time, um, and. We we use uh, we use this becoming crew metaphor on this podcast. So this idea of um, you know becoming, which I know is a is a is a you know um, I think you use it as a you know as a constant sort of trance of state of change, right? But it's it's, mm -hmm. a, it's we use it as a, a, a this idea of um, yeah an invitation to step into the sort of messy, mysterious, ongoing evolutionary becomings of ourselves right now, participating in this kind of emerging future whatever that looks and feels like and this idea of crew which we use it speaks to this idea of a you know shift from the individual self so like actually i'm a i'm a i'm a complex living set of <laughs> bizarre relationships and uh, yeah. moving into this kind of you know one that is plural and an assembly if you like of of relationships and this idea of obviously moving from from sort of this this confused hyper individualism sort of state of affairs into kind of moving with others um and mm. and we speak of our more than human crew you know shifting to try and find our place in amongst this vast web of entangled life um mm. and and that's the sort of mission we we explore in this podcast and i wondered whether you know you might leave our listeners with an invitation um that they might begin to um yeah that maybe they might be able to practice or play with I will break my my usual mode of operation and and adopt, if only for a moment, the stance of a motivational speaker. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Just for a moment, so that I don't I really don't want to run the risk of um suggesting that motivating others or inspiring others, you know, in the ways that some professional speakers do is a bad thing you know so i'm I, I want to acknowledge that that's part of the rhizome we're all welding the world in different ways um so i'm gonna say this and i'm gonna speak like a politician politicians promise along partisan lines they say we'll build new bridges we'll build new schools your highways will be glistening and your trash will be clean or something like that i don't know but they make promises Mine is to offer prophecy, not a promise, not a prediction, but prophecy. And prophecy is different. Prophecy is an invitation to disrupt continuity. Prophecy is a reconvening of time, of temporality. 
rearranging the past, the present, and the future, as if to say the past is yet to come. Um, so I offered this prophecy, and it is to say that to those of you who are listening, you are not alone. That is, that is in some parts saying what is yet to come and what has always been. You're not alone. Your cracks are prestigious invitations for novelty. Um, you are not as isolated as the billboards and the consumerist instigations might lead you to think. You are not as um, inadequate as uh, schooling paradigms and institutional systems would have you believe you are. Um, you are a becoming that is part of a an unspeakably an unspeakably vast cosmos and I want to just invite you to stay with that and to seek your failures your shortcomings to see them as openings riven places through which other universes might sprout share them share the generosity of your riven place and let's see what happens Beautiful. Thank you, Bio. Thank you so much. I really, um, it was, it's, it's great to have you here and thank you for your time. And we look forward to, um, to welcoming you onto the, to the remix session where we can dive deep into the, the story's mystery. I'm grateful, brother. Thank you. Take yeah. care. Yeah. If you've appreciated listening to this podcast, would you consider sharing it with a friend? or leaving us a rating or review via your podcast provider. It helps more people to find us and we'd be most grateful. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Bio. Are you still here? Anything making sense? That whole uh, uh, little insight Bio shared at the end, like, you know, making sense is just one of 99 senses. Um, so hopefully uh, not much is making sense and maybe that means that other senses are at play aren't we so lucky to have bio in this world um would love to know what this conversation uh brings up for you what you're left with um thoughts feelings yeah reach out send us a mail uh comment on the posts be lovely to hear what uh what this is bringing up um, as ever, if you uh, enjoy this episode, please do share with uh, with someone else and uh, who might appreciate it. And uh, if you want to give us a rating or a review, you know, you know how this game works. Uh, always appreciated. Doesn't take long and uh, can uh, help this podcast reach others through just simply writing a little cheeky review. If you're curious about the remix, Bio will be one of our special guests, uh, which kicks off in May. Uh, there's about three weeks to go on applications. Uh, you can find that all at becomingcrew.com forward slash the remix. Uh, as a phenomenal crew, uh, first cohort that are gathering around this journey. Um, so, yeah, reach out. Um, I am going to play out not with a song, but with a prayer. Yeah, this is called A Prayer for This Moment. And this was actually uh, created by Bio 
together with V, formerly Eve Ensler, and it was co-created during a conversation between Bio and V in a gathering called The Promise and Limits of Restitution, Returning to Congo um, from the Democracy and Belonging Forum um, at the end of last year. And uh, in the spirit of experimentation, Bio invited V uh, in that moment to co-create a prayer for this moment, for what this moment calls us to attend to. A prayer, if you like, for becoming other, for becoming more than human. We were sort of deeply touched by the words um, that emerged from that session, but that kind of spirit of the invitation and and witnessing that that dance between V and Bio, and you, I'll link to the to the original talk that you in the show notes um, is really worth a, a, a watch. Um, and Ever had been sharing the prayer during some of our Becoming Crew gatherings uh, uh, last year, end of last year, start this year, and. Yeah, just really seemed to uh, be appreciated by all. So we uh, we made a recording of ever reading the prayer and we added some audio vibes. I give it a bit of a remix in the spirit of the remix. And with the blessing of V and of Bio, we uh, released it into the wild a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but it's a true prayer for this moment in time. It's one for the headphones and turning up. So, um, yeah, again, if this speaks to you, please pass it on. Um, until next time, peace and out. This podcast is created in service to life for you. It takes time, funds and energy to make. If you'd like to contribute to the running costs, you can donate the price of a cuppa or a pint. Find the link on our website. This podcast wouldn't exist without the following crew. Charlie Shred, Audio Jedi. Seaman Home Burgess, Engine Room. Willow Burgess, Jingles. we call to the parts of ourselves and each other that are buried in ourselves, that long to be freed into what they desire to be. May we find the freeing, emancipatory spirits to guide our hands to decorate and adorn the thorns of flesh around us, and in us, and within us, as spaces of perverse freedom, dancing emancipation. May we see that which has been hurt inside us, those hurt portals, as openings to the worlds we need to travel to, in new forms, whether they be animal form or spirit form. So that we can touch into the parts of ourselves that can guide our imagination. May we be visited. May we be thoroughly visited. And in the wake of the traveling ethical trickster, May we find new ways of becoming with the world and with each other. May our road be rough. 
May we use the word becoming, becoming, becoming as our central mantra and accept everything that it brings in its path.